There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. It has been a busy few weeks with some great and not-so-great albums coming out. We thought it was time to catch up with a review roundup. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This week, we'll review the latest from Bon Iver, Against Me, M.I.A., and others. Plus, we'll remember Buckwheat Zydeco. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and we're eager to launch into our fall record review roundup. But, Greg, uh, big news from Chicago recently. I think we ought to address it since we're here. Since January 1, we have had more than 3,200 shootings in our town more than 530 of those fatal. We have presidential candidates talking about it, our mayor talking about it, solutions being proposed that range from stop and frisk to more mentoring. Uh, Chicago simultaneously is making international headlines for the explosion of hip-hop now in what I'd say was the third generation, is the third generation of hip-hop artists from our town. You were at two festivals last weekend that highlighted this. I think so, Jim. Uh, They definitely highlighted uh, what was going on in Chicago and at the same time addressed it in really creative and important ways, I think. Uh, There was a British uh, journalist who called me a few weeks ago and said, hey, what's going on in Chicago besides these shootings? You know, he wanted to do a music story, but all he heard about was these shootings that are going on. And it's true. It's a, you know, a terrible thing that's happening here. And at the same time, it has fostered a stereotype of what is happening in the south side and the west side of Chicago, tough neighborhoods, but at the same time, incredible incubators of creativity. Uh, and it's starting with the hip-hop community there. Uh, Chance the Rapper's magnificent coloring day, as he billed it, took place at U.S. Cellular Field, which is the place where the Chicago White Sox play baseball. It is sort of an orphan when it comes to public events outside of those baseball games in Chicago. Yeah, everything's on the north side yes. at Wrigley Field. The stadiums on the, on the other side of town get all the big events. Well, Chance wanted to do something about it. Two significant things. This man is 23 years old. Mm. He is basically staging a festival in his backyard, in his community, uh, to celebrate where he grew up and say, there's good things happening here, despite what you may have heard. I get my word from the sermon. I do not talk to the serpent. That's a holistic discernment. That is set up so determined. Told me these goofies can't hurt me. I just might make me some earth tea. I was baptized like we're early. I might get Satan and swirly. Wish I could tell you it's ready. Tell you it's ready to die. They don't give nothing away. You got to fight for your way. But that don't take nothing away. Because at the end of the day, music is all we got. Secondly, I have been attending festivals and concerts for more than 25 years in Chicago, as you have, Jim. I have never seen a more diverse, multiracial crowd at a single concert, uh, mostly under the age of 25. Mm. Here are young people coming out en masse uh, to witness a day of music that was uh, the lineup is uh, incredibly diverse. diverse. Right, right. Alicia Keys, Skrillex, 
Kanye West made a surprise appearance. Ooh. Common showed up. Uh, you know, Common, who was having his own festival on the west side at Union Park. Exactly. This was the second festival that happened. Common's festival the next day, uh, you know, was uh, over 10,000 people and a, a different crowd, a little bit older crowd. So you had two generations of Chicago hip-hop working together on the same weekend uh, to represent that community. And not that they were skirting by these issues. And a number of the songs, Vic Mensa with his great song, 16 Shots, uh, addressing uh, what was going on, Common with a raised fist invoking the names of some of the shooting victims uh, during a performance of Glory with John Legend. They were looking at real life and saying, let's do something about this. Uh, you had uh, two important artists in the Chicago hip-hop community addressing what is going on in the South Side and trying to do something positive about it. What I have in heaven hell You called and I came Stay tall through it all Falling fixture just the same thing This is Sound Opinions, and at this time of year, Jim, uh, a ton of records are coming out. We're going to address a few of them. You know, people ask, well, why all these records in the fall? Well, It's kind of based on antiquated thinking on the part of the record companies, who, which don't exist anymore. It is. The, the idea was that you were going to take this physical object that you could buy at a store and put it in the stocking of a loved one at Christmas time. You Plenty know? of time for your Christmas yes, shopping. Exactly. It was a holiday uh, gift grab kind of idea. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, big albums do come out at this time of year. Uh, here's one of them. You just heard a track from the new Bone Iver record. It's called Eight Circle is the track. The record is called 22 comma a million. Numerology obsessed Bone Iver on mm -hmm. this record. Bone Iver is a, um, a Wisconsin artist, Justin Vernon. His 2008 debut for Emma Forever Ago kicked off a whole era of new male sensitivity in indie oh, rock, yeah. I think. Uh, here's a guy... You know, Love Lorne, his band had just broken up. You know, he, he uh, moves into a cabin in, in northern Wisconsin and basically works out the songs uh, for this record, a, a very uh, small acoustic-based record that became a sensation. The second record, Justin Vernon actually built his own studio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and did a much more elaborate record called Bon Iver, Bon Iver, uh, that ended up winning a Grammy Award. Now, at the end of the tour... For that particular record, Justin Vernon made a couple of statements from the stage saying that this was going to be the last performance as a band uh, for at least a while. Nobody quite knew what that meant. Well, it meant five years. Mm -hmm. uh, 2011 record, it wasn't until this year that we have seen a follow-up to uh, one of the most uh, well-received records of the last decade. 22 A Million is finally here. We're going to review it in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called 666 by Bon Iver on Sound Opinions. So it's not in your class. What's the function of a test? I still help me reach the hell for the one will ask. That's a better than dice. Mourning out two separate lives Ain't there some kind of quandary Wandry Take me into your bones What is left when I'm I've learned 
That is 666 from Bon Iver's third album, 22 A Million. Greg, you didn't quite do justice to the weird song titles here because it's 666 with a little upside-down cross. All of these song titles, uh, numerology, you were saying, you know, have weird uh, spellings and figures, and I, I don't know what he's doing. Bon Iver annoys me more than, 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 than fingernails on a blackboard, all right? That's a horrible cliche, but that's how much it grates on me. I had to go back to our review of For Emma, uh, you know, his debut album that got all that hype. You and I had one one of our epic fights. It generated so much feedback from listeners. You were saying he was doing Bruce Hornsby, and I was saying Mike and the Mechanics. Mm. Startling to say he has gone downhill from there. I have heard this by fans described as a uh, an attempt to deconstruct his folk sound using electronics heavily uh, and, and coming up with something that's like Kid A. I would say it's more of a disaster than Neil Young's infamous trance, another folky who went electronic, which at least was interesting. Not good, but interesting. This is 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 maudlin, long, slow, languid. You know, uh, the lyrics are impressionistic. The the the, the melodies are non-existent. The tempos are languid. I mean, this is a, you know obviously a trash it record. This is where I'm going. I, I can't come up with enough ways to insult it, but that's what I feel. <laughs> well. You know, I, I found myself uh, indifferent to the first two records. There was a lot of hype about them. I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, confessional singer-songwriter mode of the first record. I thought the second record had some better moments on it. Uh, the orchestrations helped. Uh, but then there was some awful cheese on that record. There were, you know, it just sounded like cheesy, uh, new-agey type of music that was not... You know, it reminded me of late-period Chicago. Oh, You know, man. that kind of sound. Oh, man. Boy, uh, that's a low blow. And I wasn't, I wasn't impressed by it. I just thought, you know, it left me indifferent. This record, the only thing I, I, I found intriguing about it is like, wow, he's getting weird. He's going to tick off some of his fans. But it's a contrived this weirdness. Well, that's, you know, and, and I was trying to get at the heart of it. What is the motivation here? I feel like he is a little bit lost, and he admits as much in these songs. There is a sort of a gospel subtext here. These are kind of prayers, hymns, but they're very much buried under all this glitch electronic stuff that he's putting on top. I feel like he's in a muddled place. That guy who came on stage and said this might be, might be our last show ever mm. uh, is still wrestling with whether or not he wants to be this and what it means for him. And I get the crisis of conscience there. I appreciate that aspect of it. And it's fascinating to see this sort of playing out on a record. But as something that I would want to listen to <laughs> that is multiple times, I, I just don't get it. I don't, un, I don't want to listen to this record more than once. I find it very trying, very gimmicky, and it just sounds like he's maybe on to the next thing you will finally figure out what he's trying to do on this record. But for me, it's it's a total loss. It's a it's a trash at record. Boy, 
That is a little bit of Borders from the fifth album by M.I.A. It's called AIM. The single uh, Greg had dropped some time before the record. Now the record is here, getting a lot of attention, as everything M.I.A. has done since 2004. A young woman raised partly in London and partly in Sri Lanka. Her father was a member of the Tamil Tigers Rebellion group uh, in Sri Lanka. She has always been as much activist as musician. She's also a visual artist. Started her career by working with Elastica and Peaches and being championed by them has recorded with a really fascinating roster of superstar producers over the years, everybody from Switch and Diplo to Timbaland and Blackstar. Now it's album number five. As always, M.I.A. is the center of a lot of controversy for her political statements. We focus on the music. Let's play a track, and then we'll come back and say where she is at artistically after five albums. This is the song Visa from M.I.A. from the new album AIM on Sound Opinions. They call me a ruler, trendsetter, making life real better, breaking order like a leader now, follow. Pop a pop in the collar, yeah, hustle a dollar, you can't touch, it's like MC Hammer. Eat my mom's string hopper, jump in the chopper, yeah, chop up a mango with salt and pepper. Holla, 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 true scholar with the nonna, and I'm here to shine the light on the matter. At the border, I see the patroller, cruising past in their car. Creeping in my socks and slipper, Mexicans say hola. Cruising past in their car, <laughs> hiding in my Toyota Corolla. Everybody say yalla. Bala a bala, got a friend called Bama. He looks at Obama when we run up. A neck and bummer, it's a bummy banger, and you're nothing coming back with power. Yeah, six foot impala, hammer or Toyota. When I'm driving, I'm a winner. Whatever, I'm a rapper, got fuel in the banner. I'm off the grid, staying off the radar. That is Visa from MIA. The new record is called AIM, her fifth studio record, as Jim mentioned. Jim, I've been a fan of this artist uh, since the start, Arielar and uh, Kaya, 2005-2007, two of the finest albums of their time. I think she was really an innovator in in the way she was presenting that mix of Asian traditional music with contemporary beats, hip-hop, dubstep, uh, and and really felt of the moment. Politically tinged artist. Um, Has there ever been a more uh, ripe and appropriate time for a multicultural, bicontinental, straddling troublemaker to talk about the refugee crisis in the world. I mean, and immigration. Yeah, those are her issues. Huge issues. And when she addresses those, as in that song, Border, a uh, very nuanced take on, on that crisis, the global refugee crisis, and also the way that media overkill is, is sort of keeping us from really addressing it. That song we just played, Visa. A couple of others, Jump In, Ali, Are You Okay? These are songs that are in her wheelhouse, and she does a great job of blending the music with the political consciousness that we expect from MIA, not making anybody feel good about it. She's ruffling feathers here, and she does it very well. But as with her two previous records, very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. She wants to play this pop game, you know, and she's bringing in like a, you know, One Direction singer, Zayn Malik, to sing on Freedom. Just totally ruins that song with that chorus.
So it's a very frustrating record. Uh, some of the songs here are absolutely terrific, and some are just abysmal. So it's a try it record for me. I think a try it is the best you can give, Greg, and I'm on the border of try it and trash it. You know, there, there are moments. I was not a fan of the first album. Kaya turned me around. I think, though, she's been coasting ever since Kaya. She's never been consistent. Her defenders say, well, that's part of uh, her charm. She's willing to experiment. She's willing to fail. She's willing to make a mess in the studio. That can be a good thing. On the other hand, you know, there's 12 tracks here, pretty long, and, and only about a third of them really hold my interest. I would disagree with you about Borders. I think she's as unfocused lyrically in that song as she is musically throughout the album. I mean, really asking your privilege, your future, your families, what up with that? What is that saying about the immigration crisis right now? You know, people are dying in Syria. Oh, there's a lot. Nobody wants to take you're, them in. You're quoting and her two answer lines. Is, what are, what's up with that? It's a it's a pop chorus, but the verses are very strong in that song. I think there was very a lot of complexity there. So I think you're misreading that one. But. I think I think with a producer who would have stood up to her. I think with an editor. I think with collaborators who would have said, "Let's focus. Let's hone this. Let's make it more powerful." We need. We need an anthem for these times on this issue, and she's not giving it to us. She's giving us kind of a, you know, here's what I got out of the last X months in the studio. It's just kind of a mess. It's a half-baked album, a try it at best. Well, kind of a rough start here, Jim, but uh, after a break, you and I are going to be back with some more new releases to review, and I'm very hopeful that we're going to turn it around a little bit here I in terms of our ratings. So. Uh, we've got Against Me coming up. We've also got hip-hop artist Mick Jenkins. And later in the show, we're going to remember musical pioneer Buckwheat Zydeco. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And fall has traditionally been a hugely busy time for new record releases. Why? It's still on some antiquated calendar that has to do with the upcoming Christmas buying season. <laughs> Never mind that there's no physical product to buy anymore. It's still an exciting time for art. 
This week, we're catching up with some of these new albums. Greg, what do we have next? Next up, Jim, we've got uh, Los Angeles Quartet Warpaint, who has been a previous guest on Sound Opinions. Episode number 444. They came in and played. Uh, They've been together since 2004. Didn't make their first album, The Fool, until 2010. You know, one of those rare examples of a slow, patient climb by a band that took years. You know, they're not going to record, they're not going to make music in the studio until they, they had honed their sound, and it really paid off in a fine debut album. Uh, the two guitarists in the band, Emily Kokel and uh, Teresa Wyman, had known each other since grade school in uh, Eugene, Oregon, and uh, they were joined by a friend, Jenny Lee Lindbergh, in 04 when the band started. They self-released an EP, uh, and it was mixed by one of their fans, the, the uh, former Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist, John Frusciante. Rough Trade, great label, been around for decades, you know, home of the Smiths back in the 80s, signed the band, legendary talent scout Jeff Travis says, you guys are great, you just need to find yourself a drummer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got a good one. Uh, Stella Mazgua came into the band, she's from Australia, and she was really the finishing piece. And now we have the new one, Heads Up from Warpaint. Here's a track from it, it's called New Song from Warpaint on Sound Opinions. That is New Song by Warpaint from the new album Heads Up. Greg, it's not only a new song. That's a great song, by the way. It is a a new sound in many ways uh, for Warpaint. I went back to the first time you and I reviewed them, and you, who have been a super fan from the beginning, actually said you have to dig deep to find the groove, but it's worth the effort. There was a lot of shoegaze atmospheric moodiness on the first two records. That was part of their charm. I love them, too. They sucked you in. This is their party record, their dance record. Uh, Stella Mazgua, the drummer, is an incredible musician. She is driving this album. The guitars are still there. The atmospherics are still there. But there is more of a vibe of euphoric pop, dance, party, not over-the-top party. They're quiet partiers. But this is a celebratory record. And I've been loving it, absolutely loving it. It's definitely a buy it. Yes, Jim, rhythm is the big thing here. Uh, you mentioned Mazgua is, again, great on, on drums. Jenny Lee Lindbergh's bass uh, is oh, a lead yeah. instrument on many tracks. They foreground that bass for good reason. She's, she's terrific. She straddles that line between rhythm and melody really well. 
Emily and uh, Teresa, the guitarists, are playing a lot more keyboards on this record. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's you know, I love that 4AD Cocteau Twins type of sound they had on those earlier records, the atmospheric feel. Uh, they still retain some of that here, but as you said, this is pushing much more towards the dance floor. And I really noticed it when they were touring after that last record. You go, man, these guys are getting a good groove going. They're playing these big festivals, and people are dancing to this music. Well, that's a really good point. Even when we had them in the studio, there's more fire in their live performance than, than on the records. And on the records, they're trying to create mood. You know, on stage, they're celebrating more, powering through more, and that's what's happening on this record. I think the, the, the track on the last record that really served as a jumping-off point for what we're hearing on the new one was that song, Disco Very. Yeah. And this, that is very much carrying over here. And at the same time, people are going, well, is this their sellout record? You know, they're going for the dance club kids. My response to that is no, they're still retaining this very personal take on dance music and R&B. You know, you've got that track, Dre, which name checks, you know, a certain hip-hop star. But you've got this vibe on that song that reminds me more of that avant-garde R&B that uh, that UK singer FKA Twigs is doing. Yeah. By Your Side is a very glitchy kind of electronic uh, type of track in the vein of like what somebody like Bon Iver is doing, but much more but successfully. They're doing these experimental type of tracks within the R&B club music vein, but still very much uh, retaining Warpaint's identity. I love the way this band has progressed. Every album is different than the last, and uh, I can't wait for the next one. Warpaint is a buy it for me. A double buy it for Warpaint. Don't let the struggle make your heart harder. Sip the truth, spit the truth, that's the smart water. I'm talking gospel, Jehovah, no, Sean Carter. It's more cons than pros. The South Side so cold, I suggest you keep your car hard. Love is stronger than pride, but also love is a muscle. You gotta build from inside and amidst the hustle and bustle. Amidst the roll of the thunder, I play the role of a Russell Westbrook or Simmons. Put simply, I gotta get it and they couldn't kill me morally. That is Daniels Bloom from the new Mick Jenkins record, The Healing Component. Now, who is Mick Jenkins? He's a 25-year-old artist. We were talking about the... Uh, Chicago hip-hop scene uh, at the top of the show, and he is one of the key players in that scene. Originally from uh, Alabama, he moved with his family to the city's south side at the age of 10, went back to Alabama for college, then came back here because he was so inspired uh, by what he was seeing here in in the theater and poetry scenes, really. Open Mm. mic scenes, but really practicing his craft at these open mics that had become a big part of what has... uh, fostered the Chicago hip-hop scene. Uh, He came out with a mixtape in 2013, Trees and Truth, that was very well received, and his 2014 mixtape, The Waters, brought national acclaim. Came out with a follow-up mixtape called Waves last year that presaged what we're hearing on this new record. The healing component is Mick Jenkins' official full-length debut. Here's a track from it, it's called Drowning, with a great jazz combo playing on it, Bad, Bad, Not Good, with Mick Jenkins on Sound Opinions. 
and it don't bleed much. Seen songs like Tub Man, Young Stephen Morris, I ain't seen much. Just a couple to up for them, trying to rape the culture, tell the vultures I don't need lunch. It's like war's cold, gotta be in touch to communicate it to the people. Love heals all, best get your immunization at TAC. So we smoking in here like we fumigate for the old oh, oh, Too much truth in me, I don't trust against. I ain't preaching at you, I don't touch boys. Bought the bag and drip me like a bus boy. I don't need tips, you can see mines. Rap genes, you can read minds in between lines. Yeah, they act genius, but the way society is set up, almost like they read minds. You heard alchemy, boy, I'm magneto, they can't read minds. Look, it's bark loud, talking revolution. When the waves come, they turn feline. I've been turning tricks in the coldest part of the deepest water like a sea line. You can see why. For the situation, shout out to my blood. It's a situation. Won't win it through litigation. All we ask is ventilation. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. When the real holds you down, you're supposed to try to ride. That is Drowning by the Chicago rapper Mick Jenkins from his first official album, The Healing Component, following a couple of mixtapes that first brought him to everybody's attention. Greg, what a powerful track. All right, Mick Jenkins loves two things. He loves water and he loves weed. <laughs> water, uh, well, well, weed is, is, is not hard to figure out. I mean, he says uh, at one point he raps, I'm only smoking weed because I'm stressing so heavy. Water for him means myriad things. We are the city by the lake, right? There is the, the healing power of water in the gospel baptismal sense. I think water flows for him like love flows. He is not afraid to use that word love. That is what he is selling. He has said so unapologetically. I just let my little light shine. And that's why they want to throw me shade on me, right? He's like, you know, go ahead, mock me for saying what we need to solve the problems in the African-American community is more love, but I'm sticking by it. I believe it. At the same time, he is not Pollyanna-ish. Drowning references. I stumbled in the water. I was tripping. I was choking, saying I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. That phrase, I can't breathe, comes up again and again and again in Drowning. Of course, it makes you think of Eric Garner, a young African-American man who was choked in police custody and died. He is looking at the situation, but he is ultimately optimistic, as the great Chicago hip-hop tradition always has been. Common, Rhymefest, Lupe Fiasco, Kanye West, Chance the Rapper, they are saying community is the answer. We need to pull together, not celebrate and glorify gangster violence and guns. Uh, this, this is a brilliant element. He's an important new voice in hip-hop. Yeah, Mick Jenkins is, is the goods. Uh, what I love about this record, I, on multiple levels, uh, he's not doing what everybody else is doing. I mean, there's so many inspiring voices in Chicago, and I think what makes it cool is that there isn't a sound. Mick Jenkins has come up with his own sound on this record. It is very different from everything else that's out there, not only in Chicago, but in hip-hop in general, this kind of stoned, jazzy, abstract kind of vibe. He's working with 
his own producers, you know, mm-hmm. his own his buddies, his friends, his accomplices on the South Side scene, as opposed to getting the big name people. Because big name people want to work with this guy. He's yeah. talented. He doesn't want everybody else's sound. He wants his own thing. So you've got a lot of sound effects and slow hand claps and jazzy keyboards. We played that one track with Bad, Bad, Not Good, that jazz combo coming in yeah. about midway through. It's not your classic drum loop, you know, big right. boom bap kind of sound. It is very much its own thing. You know, you mentioned the uh, the theme of love being very important. You know, there's a lot of these conversations yeah. weaving through the record. And, and near the end of the record, there's this woman's voice, I don't know what love is. Love, love is loving someone. <laughs> I don't know what love is. And, and it's essentially... Here are the many, many aspects of love. This is not your traditional love song. Uh, This is about love and the many facets of love, not just loving a person who loves you, but loving yourself, which Mm -hmm. is a big aspect of the African-American community, I think, that he thinks is missing. You hear that in the song uh, Strange Love. Loving your enemy, Daniels Bloom, is very much addressing the idea of of loving somebody who doesn't love you back. Universal love, you hear it in Drowning. Like, maybe that's the answer to our human ills here. You know, we are not practicing that. Mick Jenkins is a high-minded artist who's creating a music that is very much his own. This is what art is all about. This is what art can do. This is community-minded, but it is also art that is pushing forward culturally. And I think it's one of the most important records of the year. It's a buy it for me. Double buy it. That is a little bit of 333 by Against Me from its new album, Shape Shift With Me. Against Me, exclamation point. I always try to say it, Greg, because that is the rousing spirit that this band has pursued from the very beginning. 1997, Laura Jane Grace starts out as a 17-year-old musician in Gainesville, Florida. Acoustic, guitar, protest songs. It's all about the protest songs. By 2001, there's a full band, Against Me, and many iterations over the years. 2007, signs to a major label, big-time debut, produced by Butch Vig, uh, New Wave. We were both fans. We've had Against Me on the show. 2014, I think, is the key year. It's year zero. Laura Jane Grace comes out talking about her transgender dysphoria and begins to live as a woman. Transgender Dysphoria Blues, the 2014 album, is not only its most important and daring in terms of the subject matter Laura Jane was addressing, it's uh, it's the most commercially successful the band ever has, cracking the Billboard Top 20 at one point and winning new audiences as well as critical acclaim. Now it's time for studio album number seven, Shape Shift With Me. We'll play a song from it and come back and talk about what Against Me is doing here on Sound Opinions.
That is Against Me with a song called Delicate, Petite, and Other Things I'll Never Be from the new album Shape Shift With Me. One of the little detour type of songs on this record, Jim, I think uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, a great record, was just like one punch after another. This cathartic, anthemic, straight-ahead anthem rock album. A life-changing record that tapped exactly into the zeitgeist of the time. Great, great record. If you don't have it, you you really need to investigate Transgender Dysphoria Blues. This is a different record, and some people may be a little bit like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Delicate, Petite, and Other Things I'll Never Be has sort of a, like almost a, a film noir kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it. It's darker, you know, that deep bass. Uh, I want to be more real than the others. This keeps coming up in the record, that theme of I want to be more real. This is the post-transition record yeah. for, for, for Laura Jane Grace. She said, this is my relationship record as opposed to my transition record. She's now living this life and enjoying it and, and finding you know, the same difficulties with romantic relationships. And again, it's about exploring the identity of you know, your identity, but also the truth of that identity and realizing perhaps that the world as a, as a woman is, is not much different than it was as a man in terms of finding true love in this world. And, and that's a powerful statement in itself. The music is more diverse this way. I noticed this band has been retooled again. Yeah. You know, she's had the one longtime collaborator, the faithful guitarist James Bowman, yeah. and, and the rhythm section is new. At times I have some issues with the way this album was produced. It doesn't sound like a band in the room all the time. It sounds very meticulously layered, and I love the fact that the previous record didn't sound that way. So there, there are some changes here. But the songwriting is very strong. And Laura Jane Grace, you never have any doubt about where she is focused. The sincerity of these songs is total. She's pouring herself into it. And there's also a sense of humor in here. That song, Norse Truth, another one of those detours for the band uh, musically. Come on, shapeshift with me. What do you got to lose? You know? Out of nowhere, that line comes, and it just cracks me up every time. So there's still a sense of humor about this. This is a person living large, loving life, and going through the struggles, but loving the struggle and shouting about it. I, I think it's, uh, it's terrific stuff, and uh, it's a buy-it record for me. I will double your buy-it, Greg. I've been a fan of Against Me from the very beginning. If there is a knock that even people who, who like the band uh, have against Laura Jane Grace's, she can sometimes be too wordy for her own good. She's got so much to say, she wants to say it right now. I'm going to cram all these syllables yeah. in. There should be room for three, but I'm putting in ten. There are elements of that here. I kind of like the weird noirish was a good word. That's, I'm going to steal that, Greg. <laughs> um, you know, the darker moments, the slower moments, but there is still plenty of rabble-rousing, take-to-the-barricades, anthemic rock. I really think in many ways, when we have some distance and appreciate against me, the true inheritors of the legacy of The Clash, that's what this band is. Mm. You know, in terms of even if you didn't 100% agree with the politics, even if sometimes the politics were a little off, like The Clash's white riot, right, there was a sense of, I'm going to follow them anywhere they want to go. And what I love, too, about Laura Jane is despite writing about very, very personal things, look, we are all battling with authenticity. Are we real? Where do we fit? Am I being true to myself? You don't have to be living the particular journey and transition she is in order to uh, find inspiration there. Another great record, another double buy it.
That wraps up our reviews roundup, but uh, of course we want to hear from you, the listeners. Give us your take on these records or talk about anything you want to talk about in the world of rock and roll. Give us a call at 888-859-1800 or reach us on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up after a short break, we're going to remember Buckwheat Zydeco. And Jim, you've got a Desert Island Jukebox pick. Where are you going to take us this week? Greg, I got a song that's coming out of this debate last week. Everybody's been talking about it nonstop, but it's going to surprise you what it is. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and you're hearing a little bit of the great Buckwheat Zydeco with a song called What You Gonna Do. Buckwheat Zydeco, otherwise known as Stanley Durrell, was 68 years old when he died recently in Lafayette, Louisiana, of cancer. A great musician and a great figure in Zydeco music and bringing it to international recognition. I would say the uh, the number one ambassador yeah. in many ways for that particular style of regional music that became international in, in recent decades. He formed his band in 1979 and became known as Buckwheat Zydeco and uh, was barnstorming around the world for 40 years. He won a Grammy and an Emmy in that time. Everybody knew what he looked like, that black hat, those glasses, that white piano accordion, very distinctive style. You know, you could tell you were at a Buckwheat Zydeco concert. You, you, you would hear the music, but you would also see a dance floor filled with people dancing. There was nobody sitting on their butts at a right. Buckwheat Zydeco impossible. show. It was impossible. He was nicknamed Buckwheat uh, for his braided hair, you know, the, the character from the, the Little Rascals mm-hmm. films, you know, growing up in Louisiana. He was a great ambassador, as I said, for Zydeco, and he learned from the master. Clifton Chenier was really the man who brought Zydeco out of Louisiana and to a wider world in the 50s and 60s. Buckwheat joined his band in the 70s and was mentored by Clifton Chenier. Originally started out as an organ player, learned uh, accordion from Clifton. Uh, Easy switch for him because he played the piano accordion as opposed to the button accordion. And uh, was a launching pad for his career. Ended up playing with people like Eric Clapton, Paul Simon, U2, Willie Nelson, 
Robert Plant, Keith Richards, Ry Cooter. They all sought out Buckwheat for his uh, particular sound that uh, blended these Louisiana Creole traditions, you know. You had the accordion, you had the rub board, but you also had the R&B and the rock in in there as well. He he honored all sides of the equation. He sang in French Creole and in English, specialized in those two steps, those waltzes, those shuffles, those blues and funk rhythms. If you could dance to it, Buckwheat could probably play it. He was also a terrific piano player. Not many people probably realize that, but he would play some piano on his records and concerts later on, and it was amazing. He was a great blues pianist. The touring circuit became international by the 80s and 90s. He was an international star. He signed a five-record deal to Island Records. His records came were widely distributed. At the same time, going strong till the end, his son, Sir Reginald Durrell, was a rub board player in, in his band and keyboardist, and, uh, you know, the tradition will go on. I mean, uh, Buckwheat may be gone, but the tradition is going to go on, and there's going to be somebody dancing in Buckwheat's name uh, in a town near you coming up soon. I want to play a track uh, which kind of honors all sides of Buckwheat Zydeco's legacy, his cover of his mentor Clifton Chenier's Hot Tamale Baby on Sound Opinions. Hot Tamale Baby from the great Buckwheat Zydeco, tragically gone at the age of 68. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible, we like to take a trip to the Desert Island Pop a Quarter in the Desert Island Jukebox. And Jim, you have prefaced this. I cannot wait to hear what you have come up with. You know, I, I was talking to my wife this morning. I said, i got to do a Desert Island Jukebox pick today. You know, we have been talking nonstop. We've been incredibly upset about the first presidential debate. There are many reasons to be upset. I don't want to steer too much into politics, you know, red, blue, left, right. You know what ticked us off, Greg, was, was two slurs against people who are overweight. We had Donald Trump saying that maybe it wasn't Russia that hacked into the DNC's emails. Maybe it was a 400-pound fat guy on a bed, mm. right? 
even more troublesome was, uh, you know, what has come out about his slurs against Miss Universe 1996. He ran the pageant. A young woman named Alicia Machado won. She's a Venezuelan. She is now an American citizen. As Hillary Clinton said, she's going to vote. Apparently, after winning the title of the most beautiful woman in the world, she gained, she says, 12 pounds. He says 55 pounds. This prompted him to hurl insults at her like Miss Piggy, an eating machine. Mm. And he made her work out and do exercises in front of the cameras, right? And this this caused a serious eating disturbance, and she, she needed treatment for years after this. I mean, you know— homophobia, racism, sexism, we we are we have so many problems, so many ugly fights in America have been uh, uh, revealed by this presidential campaign. But nobody speaks about sizeism and how the the last people you can you can insult with impunity are are fat people, all right? And she was by no means fat, in fact she was gorgeous. My wife and I were talking about this, she said you have to play a song for her. And I said, I am going to play The Model by Kraftwerk. This happens to be one of the greatest pop songs in history, period. Kraftwerk, pioneering synthesizer gods. It's a two and a half minute song. And there's like, it depends on how you count it, seven or nine major hooks Mm -hmm. in two and a half minutes. She's a model and she's looking good. You know, that's Ralph Hooter uh, paying tribute to this woman who is somehow untouchable and ideal. Uh, That certainly was Alicia Machado. Great profile of her in the New York Times. So, for her, from The Man Machine, 1978, The Model by Kraftwerk. The Model by Kraftwerk, one of my all-time favorite songs, Greg. My Desert Island Jukebox pick. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, it's all about the replacements, the music of the replacements. And we're talking about a really diverse band, the amazing dichotomy between the hardcore punk and the very earnest, sincere ballads. Here's biographer Bob Mayer talking about what makes that band so special. 
they had heart and humor and guts and you know and and got you in those same places i always say that about westerberg because he was a great singer songwriter inside of a great rock and roll band and the combination of those elements as well as their humor really made them special because i think you know you, you if you're lucky a great band will get you in the head and the heart or the heart or the gut but very few bands touch you in the head heart and gut all three places i, I think it's rare that you get a band that has the sort of classic rock and roll qualities that has the great songs and songwriters and, and writerly aspect to it and has a kind of sense of humor as well. I think it's rare, almost non-existence for a band to sort of tick off all those boxes. And, and I think that, in a way, is what makes The Replacement so special. We'll have more from Bob Mayer about The Replacements next week. This week, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banizak. Evan Chung, and Alex Claiborne. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm calling you from Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. During your recent Buried Treasure show, you missed a couple of albums that are completely blowing me away this year. First is Mitski's uh, Puberty 2 album, which is just a great album. The other is this stellar indie pop album called Psycho Pump by Japanese Breakfast. opinions. This is Lutz from the Bay Area in California. I'm calling uh, in to dial in my hidden treasure. There's a guy called Derek Brown and he has an album called Beatbox Sax. So this guy is not only playing the saxophone like taking in air and putting out notes. He's providing all the percussion background as well, all on one instrument. It's just amazing. I mean, we mortals, uh, we can just uh, be in awe of such craftsmanship. I love the show. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Chris from Winston-Salem, and, and I had a pull over the car uh, and call you. I was so upset by your review of the new Nick Cave album. Sunday morning Skeleton tree Oh, nothing is for free First of all, I, I think it's one of the most brilliant albums of his career, but that's, that's not the point. Uh, the, the point is about the style of songwriting that he's doing. And this perspective is made most clearly in the documentary that came out uh, recently, One More Time with Feelings. 
And in the film, he talks about how his entire career has been this this sequence of writing these uh, narrative-based songs with a you know a beginning, a middle, and an end. And and he can't do that following the death of his son. The process of kind of forcing life into sequence just feels utterly insincere and inauthentic and artificial for him. And so, for the first time in his career, he wrote this album that's basically kind of stream of consciousness. It's just this sequence of kind of images that come to him in the writing process. And so this album is a collection of symptoms. It's not a document of grief or a document of trauma. It is, in fact, the trauma of the loss of his son. And in that respect, it's incredibly moving and hard to listen to, but it couldn't be, there can't be a more important album in my mind than his entire body of work and deserves more attention than I think you gave it. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Diane Majera from Evanston, Illinois. Just got done listening to your interview with Herb Albert. definitely brought up some fantastic memories. Um, my father loved Herb Albert, and uh, we listened a lot. Uh, he had many records and uh, always had something playing. It was just a really nice way to spend my evening reminiscing about time spent with my dad. So thanks so much. It was really great. Bye-bye. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.